Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Space Warfighter Talks. I'm your host, Bill Wolf, the president and founder of the Space Force Association. The Space Force Association is a premier professional military and space education association in the nation dedicated to the United States dominance in space, a strong national defense, and support for men and women of the United States Space Force. Before we begin, I'd like to thank our corporate members who allowed this event to take place today. They are Braxton Technologies, Foresight, AGI, and Numerica. We are honored today to have with us Chief Master Sergeant Todd Scott, who is coming to us from the United States Space Force. Welcome, Chief Scott. Uh, thank you, Colonel Wolf. Appreciate you having me here. Now, you've got a long, distinguished career. Let me just read some of the highlights here. You enlisted in the Air Force in October 2000 after a cross-service transfer from the United States Navy. You attended technical training at Vandenberg Air Force Base, California, graduated in July of 2001 as a distinguished graduate, assigned to the 19th Space Operations Squadron, which is the reserve component to the second Space Operations Squadron at the time, where you were part of the initial cadre of the Global Positioning System, subject matter experts tasked with the test and, transi test and transition of the GPS Legacy Command and Control System to the Architecture Evolution Plan, an $850 million upgrade to the GPS control segment. You're assigned to Headquarters Air Force Space Command's A3 Directorate as a Superintendent of the GPS Operations Branch. And as a civilian, because you are a reservist, you're Program Manager employed by Infinity Systems Engineering on the Lockheed Martin GPS Flight Operations Group, which supports the second Space Operations Squadron maintaining the GPS satellite constellation. Thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, no, I appreciate you having me here. We've got a lot to discuss. We've got quite a few folks online and we appreciate our audience for being in attendance today and our SFA members. So if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to ask them. We've got a lot to, of information to get through. Uh, and as you, those questions come up, I'll be sure to ask Chief Scott. Let's start with culture. Chief, there's a lot of discussion about the Space Force culture and what's happening. And it can, be, it can take a long time to develop. But decisions made today will impact the development of Space Force culture for decades to come. One decision is on rank structure. Is there discussion in the enlisted force on Space Force rank structure? And what are the troops saying? Well, um, so as you know, we are nine months into this, uh, into the standup of the United States Space Force. And, and I'll tell you, Colonel Wolf, it's a fast moving train. Um, and this is one of the questions we get very frequently. Um, so what I can say about it, um, you know, we, we've been building out the force over the past nine months and there are many things that we had um, that were high priorities that we would like to get done right in the early stages. Um, as for the enlisted rank structure, that was certainly, um, you know, something that was a priority to General Raymond and to Chief Toberman. Um, but, you know, while we're working through these processes, we're working with our leadership back in Washington, D.C. And of course, we have tremendous support bipartisan support from members of Congress and the Senate. So um, probably no surprise to anybody, and, and you know everybody's been talking about it. Um, Representative Crenshaw, a Navy sailor, um, he's a patriot and he is a, a big supporter of the Space Force. Um, 
he was actually able to get an amendment to the National Defense Authorization Act that speaks about rank structure and, and you know, what he would like to see that be. And it involves U.S. Navy rank. So um, while, you know, we certainly appreciate all the support we get from Congress, one of the things we want to make sure we do is that we do not, um, you know, cause friction between the two. So we're going to wait and see how that plays out uh, with our leaders back in the uh, Beltway. And um, if it comes out, you know, that we do end up using some modification of Navy rank, then we will, you know, that's the way we'll go. Um, if not, we do have a plan in place. And, you know, but we just have to let that work out this time. Um, and, you know, as for what the troops are saying, um, you know, I do talk to people frequently about this. And we are going to build a culture, as you said, and we're going to build a unique identity for the space professionals that we have. Um, so there's probably some disappointment on their part that we have not yet been able to release a rank structure and show them what their stripes are going to look like on their uniforms. But honestly, um, you know, it's been nine months. So right now, um, you know, the primary focus is we're going to continue to execute our missions for the United States and make sure that we protect our assets in space and guarantee our, you know, freedom to operate in, from, and to space. Um, you can call me an airman right now, and if in the future you call me a space widget, then I'm going to be fine with that as well. So let's let that process play out. Um, you know, right now there is no late breaking news on that front. Um, but as we know, the National Defense Authorization Act comes out in the fall. Um, members of Congress are working right now very hard to try to hammer out their agreements between the House and the Senate and move forward. And it'll be in the news when the NDAA comes out and there'll be a number of things that are of a high priority to the United States Space Force. So, um, you know, that's what we can say right now is for enlisted rank structure. Oh, thanks, Chief. I appreciate that. And I apologize. I, I forgot to let the audience know. Tell us a little bit about what job you're currently in. And, and it's interesting because you are a reservist. So tell us a little bit about that, if you wouldn't mind. Right, right. And so, you know, I appreciate that. Um, you gave a little background on my, um, you know, my history in the military. I did start out in the sea services. So I enlisted in 1993. And when I say the sea services, um, I was a U.S. Navy hospital foreman. And um, I had the uh, incredible opportunity to serve with the United States Marine Corps as a foreman. So I cannot, you know, I cannot ignore that in my history. Um, that, that was an incredible experience. So I do bring a little bit of a different perspective, um, transferring to the Air Force back in 2000. Um, and now, you know, I've been working in the space industry in the Air Force for 20 years. Um, I did become a traditional reservist in 2008, and that's when, as you mentioned, I went to work for Infinity on the Lockheed Martin GPS program. Um, so, you know, GPS is my mission system expertise in the Air Force, um, but I've been on a leadership track for quite some time now. Um, I just finished last year as two and a half years as a wing command chief. Um, at the 310 Space Wing, the only reserve wing, um, you know, in the United States Air Force Reserve. So um, I do have some leadership background as well. I was hired on to then headquarters Air Force Space Command on December 1st of 2019 and didn't quite know what kind of ride I was in for. <laughs> so as we transitioned Air Force Space Command to headquarters Space Force, 
Um, they stood up the Space Force on December 20th. Um, it is certainly a day that we will all remember forever. Um, and after that, uh, Chief Toberman, a couple months later, was appointed as a senior enlisted advisor to General Raymond, the Chief of Space Operations. When he PCS to Washington, D.C., to take on his headquarters role, um, he had two additional hats here in Colorado Springs. One was a senior enlisted leader at United States Space Command, and the other was the, he was still the command chief here at headquarters U.S. Space Force. He had brought me on as his IMA, um, and for the reserve, an IMA is the Individual Mobilization Augmentee. And what that means is uh, in his absence, I can stand in and, you know, he, if he's TDY or on leave or if there's an important meeting where he can't clone himself, well, his reservists can step up and take that, take that meeting for him. Um, but what ended up happening is back in April, um, they decided to mobilize me as a reservist. And as a reservist, that is always um, it, it's not only a chance that that will happen, but it's an incredible opportunity to step into a full-time um, status and be involved in, in a lot of different things. So sitting here in the command chief's office since April, I've had an incredible opportunity uh, to work closely with General Whiting, who is a deputy commander of headquarters U.S. Space Force, and of course work closely with General Raymond and Chief Toberman back at the Pentagon and the entire staff. I mean, you know, the headquarters space staff back at the Pentagon and the headquarters U.S. Space Force ta uh, staff here at Colorado Springs, uh, we work closely. And I mean, there are daily syncs to make sure that we're all on the same page um, as we stand up the Space Force. So that's kind of how I got here. I am the IMA to the Command Chief of Headquarters U.S. Space Force today. And in a couple of weeks, we're going to stand up the first field command in the Space Force, and that's going to be Headquarters Space Operations Command. And our new enlisted leader just came in this week. Uh, chief John Venevania is the command chief, and we will have a ceremony coming up in the next couple of weeks. And then I will support him as his IMA as he see fit, sees fit over the, you know, probably the next two years. Great. Thank you for providing the audience that background. Really do appreciate it. I, I met you years ago as a reservist working as a functional area manager for uh, space operators at Reserve Command and had the opportunity to work with your brother, Jeff Scott. And so it really is a family tradition uh, being in the Air Force. So appreciate your family service to our country. We talked a little bit about culture, Chief, and I wanna now look at the organizational culture and how that grows from the level of diversity in the force. Diversity can be measured in many ways, such as race, gender, gender, ethnicity, educational background. How is the Space Force approaching recruiting to leverage the value of a diverse force? Hey, uh, so Colonel Wolf, this is an important topic. And, and this is one of General Raymond's priorities. I have heard him speak several times about diversity. And, and when we talk about diversity, um, diversity is critical to our force. Uh, General Raymond's you know, vision is that the United States Space Force looks like the United States. 
Um, and, and that includes many different types of diversity. And, and you know, you mentioned race and gender, ethnicity, um, educational background is incredible. I mean, that's something we really have to um, focus on. There are different levels of education, but geographic locations of our country. Um, you know, I, I spoke recently to the immersion program for the Air Force ROTC cadets across the country, and we had some questions about diversity. And, and I'll say this, um, if you look around the room and everybody you see, they look like you, they sound like you, they act like you, and they think like you, you are missing um, you know, several very critical ingredients in your recipe for success. So we are certainly going to focus on, um, you know, diversity and inclusion, which are separate, but they're, they're really important. And we want to make sure that when we're focusing our recruiting efforts, that we break down barriers. You know, Chief Toberman said recently in one of his talks that he knows that there are young African-American females or young Asian females or, you know, any name, any ethnicity or race that are very interested in space. For generations, um, humans have looked upwards um, and they've, you know, gazed at space in wonder and wanted to be somehow connected to that. And he knows that those groups are out that are interested in space. And it's not that they're not allowed to join or they're you know, somehow um, not interested. It's more about removing any barriers that they may have to their success. So we need to make sure that we, um, you know, we cast a wide net. We're a small force. When you think about the sizes of the different um, services in the Department of Defense, the next largest, I mean, the Marine Corps is about 192,000, and we're going to be about less than 10% of that. So we are a very small, lean, and agile force. We have the ability to do focused recruiting, and we have the ability to make sure that we're providing equal opportunities to all different groups and ensure that we're getting the best mix for the Space Force. Um, it is something that we talk about on a regular basis. It's a priority and it's critical to our success. Thank you. Appreciate that, Chief. The, another cultural aspect is drawing from services other than the Air Force for expertise, experience, and approaches to leadership and followership. Are there plans for the Space Force to transfer space professionals from the other services to not only fill its ranks, but to grow its warfighting culture? Yeah, so absolutely. I mean, we know that all of the services have some sort of space warfighting function. So um, that's, you know, the uh, Secretary of Defense is looking at that right now and determining what the appropriate mission sets are, mostly from the Army and some from the Navy. Um, there are some space professionals in the Marine Corps, but we're, we're talking about a very small number. Um, but when we talk about uh, weapon systems that operate um, were focused on the Army and the Navy. And through the Secretary, Secretary of Defense, they're going to identify which are the appropriate mission systems that will be transferred over to the Space Force. Um, and so there's two different things. You know, when we talk about the, no kidding, the iron, the equipment, and then the personnel. So just like when we opened up the Space Force to all the space operators and asked for volunteers, we are an entirely 
volunteer force, and that goes across the DOD. So we're going to make sure that they, um, you know, they are given that opportunity to raise their right hand and join the Space Force. Um, there is going to be no forcing function that says, just because you are working this weapon system in the Army or in the Navy, that you have to go over to the Space Force. But once we identify those weapon systems, and that's being looked at right now, um, they will be given the opportunity to opt into the Space Force. And if they take that opportunity, they will join us. And it's, it's incredibly important for us as a force that we welcome soldiers, sailors, and Marines to come over to the Space Force and bring with them the rich history and heritage that they have and part of their cultural identity as well because we, our plan is to build a unique identity and culture within the Space Force. And, and it is not just a rebadging of the United States Air Force. Um, you know, the Air Force has a long and rich history of 73 years. Happy birthday to the Air Force. That's right. Because today is September 18th. Um, and that's important to note. Um, but yes, yeah, 73 years. But then if you think of the other military services measured in a couple hundred years, um, there's an awful lot for us to capitalize on there and to bring that into the Space Force and share their experiences, share their history, and bring with them maybe a perspective um, that not all airmen have. So while we open the doors and we invite them in, it is important imperative that some of those leadership positions that we have, um, that we, you know, they are able to compete on equal footing. And we've talked about this at every one of our meetings that we, that we have when we start to vector people towards leadership opportunities. If we put up a wall and a soldier comes in and is not able to lead um, our space professionals, then we're not doing it right. So we're going to make sure that that is a priority. Um, New things to come in the near future. Like I said, it's going to be up to our SECDEF to identify the missions. And then once that happens, they'll make that announcement and then the people will come later. And hey, understand there has always been a process. There's a DOD instruction that tells us how we can transfer between services. Now, of course, it's dependent on the end strength of the service that you're going to, but that process is in place. And as we you know, get beyond the initial stand-up of the Space Force, there'll always be an opportunity for soldiers, sailors, and Marines, and airmen to perhaps make a decision to join us, and we will welcome them um, for sure in the future. Great. No, we've had uh, quite a few other service members reach out to us, asking us about how to get involved, because they are extremely interested in transferring over to the Space Force when the opportunity does present itself. So thanks for, for providing that background. Mm -hmm. Obviously the military services rely on volunteerism to fill their ranks. In some respects, the services compete for the same individuals. How is the Space Force developing its unique brand to differentiate itself from the other services? Well, and you just said it, unique brand, um, you know, to um, build excitement and, um, you know, keep the Space Force in the news. I mean, you've seen press releases um, when our motto came out, Semper Supra, and, and when our logo came out. And that'll continue to happen as we stand up, um, you know, our individual field commands, uh, you know, as a very flat organization with our, you know, our Office of the Chief of Space Operations and our space staff at, at headquarters back at the Pentagon, uh, you know, right below that is our field commands and then our deltas and garrisons and then our squadrons. Um, we are a pretty lean organization um, and pretty flat as well. So, but we're always in the news. So, you know, right now 
we, you know, you can't look at the news on a daily basis and not see something about the Space Force. So we need to capitalize on that. And what we need to do is make sure that we are the brand of choice for folks wanting to join the military. Um, we had the awesome, absolutely fantastic opportunity on Monday to meet three of our first seven recruits going through basic military training coming up next month. Um, and these are just incredibly, um, you know, eager and passionate individuals from right here in the local Colorado Springs area that are going to be joining the Space Force. There's also a couple others from around the country um, but when they go to their recruiters and you know right now this is all new um, but we're building the processes and allowing for people to join the space force and when they do that what we want are eager and passionate individuals that are you know that want to work here in the space force um, and we're going to keep the excitement up we're going to keep people interested and as long as we're at the forefront right now i think that we're going to have some real opportunity to bring in members of our you know young people from across the country from all different walks of life um, to help us build this force now that goes to the next question which is um what types of skill sets are you looking for I, the only thing i can think about is we are going to be, I suspect the Space Force is going to be the most technologically advanced force. I suspect the new recruits coming in are, are going to understand, and General Kreider has said it before, how to code systems, how to, how to actually build and, and deploy some of those new technologies that we know that we're going to need. Uh, we can't visualize, it's hard to visualize space, the space warfighting domain. We can visualize every other domain uh, except cyber, and space. And so how do we develop those skill sets in the Space Force to get those types of warfighters that you know we need? Right. So, and, and you know, you hit on something there when you mentioned cyber and you mentioned space. Um, hey, you know, in the United States Air Force, not everybody is flying in a fighter jet. Um, it, takes, it takes all walks of life to support um, the Air Force mission to fly, fight, and win. So in space, um, you know, United States Space Force is not space operators. United States Space Force is space operators, uh, cyber professionals, and intelligence personnel. And we are not able to do our mission without all three of those on an equal footing building the Space Force. And, and that's incredibly important. Now, as you mentioned, we are a highly technical field. So um, we absolutely have to have aptitude um, when we're looking at, at who we wanna bring into the Space Force. There must be a minimum level of aptitude um, in order to you know, do your job, but I'll take attitude over aptitude any day. Um, and and you know, no kidding, I mean, we need people that are eager and passionate and want to be here. Um, and, and if you're here in the Space Force and you know, you're not quite comfortable with your job and you think you might wanna do something else, let's have that discussion and find out what it is that, that you're passionate about because maybe, maybe cyber or Intel is it. And we can't do any of our missions without the cyber professionals that keep us up and running and the Intel folks that keep us advised of what the entire picture looks like. So, you know, I, you know, attitude is everything and inclusion. All of us are equal participants in the Space Force. And, you know, I can teach you math. Um, I can teach you about electrons. It's kind of hard to teach you attitude. 
Um, you know, we do build, I mean, we develop character in the military for certain. Um, so to some extent, we have that flexibility, but we want people that have a positive attitude and want to be here. And that's really what we're looking for um, in the Space Force is, hey, I, I want you to want to be here. Um, and I want you to be part of the team. And I want you to own part of this identity as we build this force. No, thank you, Chief. I appreciate that. How, how easy will it be for new members of the Space Force to provide recommendations to leadership on the type of technology that they're going to need to conduct their operations? Well, you know, so you, you mentioned General Kreider, um, and, and General Kreider is, uh, you know, I mean, she has some really unique background um, in IT and cyber. Um, and, you know, she's been working closely with General Raymond because we want to build the first digital force. Um, we want everybody um, in the Space Force to be involved in this. And you say, how hard is it for folks to, you know, basically pass the word up? Well, I, I mentioned our flat organization. So, you know, when General Raymond um, and his staff built the Space Force, we eliminated two levels of command. And we made it easier uh, for folks at the, at the bottom of our echelons to be able to reach up to the top echelons. Um, you know, we have a very small footprint. Remember, chiefs are 1% of the force. Um, so, you know, it's not hard to do the math. Just over 30 E9s in the service right now um, with our current footprint. And as we grow with other missions and such, that'll change. Um, but, you know, use your chain of command. And if you have an idea that you want to communicate up, um, it is not real hard to reach out to your supervisor, your superintendent. And before you know it, you're at the field command level. So we welcome that, um, you know, that ability with a flat organization to be able to communicate up the chain rather quickly. Um, and our young people today, um, as you know, they are well connected electronically. Um, Social media is a big tool that we use, but computers are important. Um, you know, our IT is, is critical to our infrastructure that supports every mission that we have. So all that is tied in together. Um, and being the first digital force is gonna really set us apart and allow us to be, you know, part of our, you know, one of our priorities is to be agile. Um, and that's gonna help us to do that. Perfect, thank you, Chief, I appreciate that. Remember. For the audience, if you have any questions, just put them in the Q&A and we'll get to them as we have time. See, we do have a question from Colonel Grunwald to all panelists. Can a fast track process be evaluated to return retirees back to status? I'm sure I know why this Colonel is asking. Currently, a retiree has to go back through MEPS to get cleared, which is problematic as they are requesting medical records, which can be difficult to reproduce and are hosted at central locations. So are you looking at bringing folks back into the military out of retirement to support the standup of the Space Force? So, um, you know, we are still in the Department of the Air Force and there are processes to do that. And, you know, you know certainly, um, you know, we have an end strength and, you know, depending on end strength, you know, you have to look at how much, um, you know, their appetite that is for this. Um, I know in the Air Force, 
uh, for pilots, there is certainly an appetite for bringing them back in. Now, I know Colonel Grunewald has some incredible experience um, from his days in, in missile warning all the way up to his days as a leader, um, you know, as a squadron commander. So, um, you know, I certainly personally appreciate everything Colonel Grunewald has done, and I know that the process is cumbersome. Um, but this is really, it's a recruiting service question, and it would kind of be out of my lane to comment too much on it except to say, you know, um, if there's anything we can do to help, uh, we are always open to contacts and somebody reaching out and saying, hey, you know, is there any way that you could dig into this problem and see if there's a better way to do it? Because, um, you know, thinking outside the box is where we want to be. So I'd be, I'd be certainly uh, happy to take that question back and see if there's any way we could uh, make headway in it, but it's, it's not really my area of expertise at this point. It's kind of a recruiting service question. Understand, Chief. Thank you. I appreciate that. Now, getting into how to augment the force, the reserve component to each service provides a powerful method for providing both deep expertise in a specific area, such as airline pilots, also serving as airlift pilots in the Air Force, and breadth of experience by bringing skills acquired in civilian professions into the services, which would otherwise not be available to an active duty member. How does the Space Force plan to leverage space professionals through a reserve component? Okay, so um, so you see who you're talking to, right? That's right. <laughs> and the seat that I am sitting in currently, um, there are incredible opportunities for our reserve force right now. Now, um, you know, do we have a Space Force um, reserve construct laid out just yet? Not just yet, um, but I, I will tell you this. Um, General Raymond has made it, I mean, absolutely clear that he cannot do his space missions without the incredible support that he gets from both the reserve and the guard. So the reserve units assigned to the 10th Air Force are critical to his missions. Um, and all of the guard units that are that are performing space electronic warfare missions today, and then uh, even some MILSATCOM missions out in California, are vital to our success in the United States Space Force. Um, the thing that we're going through right now is it takes a change in law in order to start stand up a reserve component. So I know for a fact, and it's in the news. Um, that the National Defense Authorization Act of 21 has language both in the Senate and the House versions that outlines some sort of reserve construct for the Space Force. Um, this is one of those where we have to allow our leaders in Congress, where, again, we have incredible support from them, and we know that they have our best interests in mind, but we have to allow the processes work to work through that change law you know, in Title 10 code and Title 32 code that'll allow us to stand up a reserve force. So we will continue, both the reserve and the guard, to support missions on a daily basis um, Hey, the sun does not set on any day without having reservists sitting on crew somewhere and even in deployed locations supporting missions. So understand if you are a reservist that is filling a, you know, a critical position in one of our missions in space, you will continue to do that as we work these, these legal um, hurdles that allow us to stand up a reserve construct. And when that happens, then we may be able to um, 
you know, allow reservists to raise their right hand, swear in, and then they'll be wearing the blue threads as well. But it is something that takes time and Congress is absolutely working through it. And they do have equal participation from General Raymond and Lieutenant General Scobie, um, who recently, just in the last couple of days, did an interview and he and his senior enlisted leader, uh, Chief Mass Sergeant Tim White, um, both expressed their 100% support for provi providing reserve forces um, in whatever way Congress outlines for us. Um, so, you know, there'll be more to come in the future on that, but that is something that is being worked currently. And until we have a decision made, and that will again come from the Department of Defense, but when we have the decision made of what that reserve construct looks like, then we can go forward and start to build that organization. But until then, you're going to still have IMAs like me supporting the Space Force, and you're going to have AGRs and traditional reservists at the unit level and National Guardsmen that continue to do their mission every day um, because if we didn't have them there, we wouldn't be successful in our missions. Great, thank you. Education and training are important aspects for developing the force. What can we expect to see for the enlisted members of the Space Force with regard to educational opportunities and training to develop the skill sets the Space Force needs? Well, I mean, education is huge for us. Um, as you mentioned, we're a highly technical force. Um, so I think if you look at the numbers, you'll see that those members that are transferring into the Space Force from those highly technical career fields of cyber, intel, and space uh, tend to be some of our most educated military members. Um, you know, it, it's awesome when we stood up the Space Force, it was very rapid that we were able to bring in some of our very important foundational professional military education institutions, and that's our Airman Leadership School. So our bases at Buckley and Vandenberg and Peterson and Patrick were quickly able to bring in the ALS schools um, and work to um, you know, update the curriculum to, uh, you know, to a space flavor. So here's where we have to be careful. Um, you know, we have some awesome resources that help to build education uh, in tiers for our enlisted force. And our ALS and our NCO Academy um, are important to the, uh, you know, the foundation as we build leadership with these individuals. But we don't want to do is we don't want to cause harm. So everything we do as we stand up the Space Force, we look at it um, from a do not harm attitude. So those PME institutions to include ALS schools and NCO Academy, we have to look at their curriculum and we have to determine where is the trade space that we have between Air Force and Space Force. Remember, those institutions are able to uh, grant college credit to the, um, you know, to the graduates, and that works towards, you know, their degrees as a uh, associate's degree from the CCAF, the Community College of the Air Force, or perhaps even a, a bachelor's degree um, or other, you know, postgraduate degrees. So we do not want to harm the curriculum at this point. So we will slowly identify the parts of the curriculum, that trade space that's maybe around 15, 20%, where we can start to teach um, about the history, the culture, and the identity of space, and maybe there's some trade space between what's in there for, for Air Force. Um, so it's not going to be a rapid change, but more of a transition. Um, but that began already with our ALSs, and in the next few weeks, that'll begin with the uh, NCO Academy located at Peterson Air Force Base. 
And as we look at their curriculum and determine what is appropriate to update, then we'll update that as well to space. Um, and, and I did mention the Community College of the Air Force, which is a, um, it's a valuable institution. And we are still a part of the Department of the Air Force. And for this, you know, for the immediate future, um, we're going to continue to utilize the CCAF um, and we're going to allow our members in the Space Force to get their associate's degree that's associated with their career fields through the CCAF. And, you know, who knows what will happen in the future. We are a small force and, and, you know, we'll look at things and see how we want to make changes in the future. But, you know, education is an important part of our um, culture in space, cyber and intel. You know, it's vital that our, that our members maintain that competitive edge but it's not just um, a bachelor's degree. Keep in mind, there are certifications as well, especially when you look at the cyber career field. Um, the certifications that those individuals bring are, are incredibly important to us. And a lot of times out in industry, it's the certifications that get you the job more than the bachelor's degree. So please don't misunderstand and think that every single space professional has to, on the enlisted side, has to go out and get a bachelor's degree. That is just one data point that we look at when we're looking at our, you know, our space professionals to determine, you know, and vector them on their careers, whether it be in a technical respect or in leadership. Um, but education is important, but it's not the only thing. Right. And you did mention training. I want to follow up on that just a little bit. What types of certifications are you referring to? So in the cyber world, um, you know, they have, it's, it's countless, um, you know, whether it's, you know, if you're a really old guy and you understand Fortran or you're real new and you do Java, C++ or Python, um, you know, com computer programming languages are important. And we're talking about allowing those opportunities for our force. Um, but it's not just that. I mean, it's Security Plus. It's, you know, getting your CISSP. There are so many different um, cyber certifications that you get that'll make you more valuable to the force. Um, you know, and I am not an expert on Intel, but our Intel folks, I, I had the opportunity to watch the stand-up of the 71st and 72nd Intel squadrons, our first Intel squadrons in the Space Force recently, and the opportunity to, a to talk to a few of them. Um, you know, if you want to get recharged, talk, of, talk to the new members of the Space Force and see their enthusiasm and where they want to go because they are so eager to talk about what their ideas are and how they can be part of our success. Um, so each of our individual, you know, um, career fields in the Space Force um, do have certifications for our space operators, you know, undergraduate space training out at Vandenberg, um, you know, the 533rd training squadron is, you know, the foundation that we build upon, and then they go off to their missions and they learn their individual missions, and then they have advanced training with their space warfighter follow-on courses. So there is a prescribed amount of training that goes on, starting at, you know, basic military training, and where our space operators will still, cyber intel and space will still go through the Air Force BMT for now. Um, and then we have our Vandenberg schools. And of course we have the 319th Combat Training Squadron here on Peterson with the National Security Space Institute. Um, there's, you know, there's uncountless, um, you know, opportunities for our folks in space to continue to increase their knowledge through education and training and of course professional development which is just as important thank you chief i appreciate that 
there's a follow-on question talking about the reserve component. Mm -hmm. And the, another way to ask the question is, do you foresee yourself retiring from a Space Force Reserve? <laughs> well, you know, that's going to be... Uh... That's going to be based on the timeline. Um, you know, if we do have a Space Force Reserve, um, or if these, you know, the reserve is uh, incorporated within the Space Force, or whatever plan we go through with, um, you know, if I'm still here, you know, heck, I, I've been in the military for 27 years. And, you know, a lot of people ask once you hit that 20 year point, they assume you're, you know, hey, you can now, um, you know, relax and have a retirement and leave the military. Um, you know, what are your plans now that you're at 20 years? I've always said that if I'm having a good time, enjoying my job, and I still feel like I'm making an impact, and, and that's measured by the, um, you know, the airmen around me, um, if I'm still having a impact on them and I'm still enjoying what I'm doing, I'm going to stick around. Um, I could have retired seven years ago. Uh, so we'll have to see the timeline of when reservists are able to wear the blue thread, uh, because what will come with that is a two-year commitment. Um, so at 27 years, you know the timeline, uh, that, that window's closing fast, and we'll just have to see how that goes. I'd like to wear blue thread if I could. Um, you know, I wear my proud heritage of the sea services, uh, you know, right here on my chest. And a lot of times people ask me, you know, what that badge is that I wear on my chest. And it's the Fleet Marine Force badge that uh, in the Navy, they're called warfare designators, um, not occupational badges. And there's a lot that goes into earning them. Um, so if I could add Space Force, to my history of my career, I would be honored to do that. And it's just gonna be based on the timeline of when there's a reserve com construct in space. Understand, thank you, Chief. And you did mention retirement. So as, as you get into these you know, senior years, uh, what's one decision you would like to make which will have an impact on the future Space Force as you approach that retirement? Colonel Wolf, you said, you said you know, one decision. I'm enlisted. Um, so based on my years of uh, experience, I advise and I guide discussions that help the decision-making process. Um, but no, I mean, seriously, um, you know, the, the Space Force is a highly technical professional warfighting service. Um, you know, if I can help to stand that service up so that they could stand ready to protect our ability to operate in from and to space. Um, I'm going to leave here with with a you know satisfaction in my career. Um, but one thing that I would leave behind, um, and, and this goes for everybody. This is not for the Space Force. This is for our entire DoD enterprise, and and honestly for the United States of America. Um, have those difficult conversations. Be in touch with your people. Um, if you don't know what your folks are up to, you need to reach out to them. You know, one, there was, uh, you know, obviously coronavirus had an impact on how we do business today. And we have an awful lot of young kids that are distance learning. And we have people that are teleworking. And these are things that we never thought would happen. Schools were not designed um, unless they were actually, you know, small, specially designed schools to distance learn. They weren't designed that way. We, you know, our educational system is designed to have people in the classroom. And on the same token, everybody here in the building that works with me, you know, we all came in and we, um, 
you know, we networked with the other people in our offices and we went to meetings and we were on our computers and, and everybody had contact. Over the, the last six, seven months, um, we've lost a lot of that contact because of the struggles that our nation is going through. So when I say have difficult conversations, I urge you to reach out and talk to your people and see how they're doing. Um, and, you know, kind of the topic I'm alluding to here is one of those difficult conversations. Being here sitting in the command chief's office um, at a major command, um, it, it's incredible. You know, you have a lot of um, awareness of what's going on around the force in all of our force and, and what's going on around the world. And suicide is an incredible, incredible problem that we have going on, not, in, not just in the United States Space Force and not just in the United States Air Force. It is a problem in our society and our culture. Um, the devaluation of life and the feeling from people that are suffering that a permanent solution to a temporary problem is the way to go. Um, and I would just, you know, urge people to be more in contact with your coworkers, with your friends, with your family, and understand what's going on in their life. And if you're one of those individuals and you're struggling with mental health, please, call the 800 number, the suicide hotline, um, reach out to your subordinates, to your superiors, to your family members, to your friends, because, you know, we have dealt with this all too often and it is not just our problem. We lose veterans every day, we lose students, we lose people in industry, and we lose incredible talent in the United States of America to this other pandemic that goes on. Because honestly, we're averaging about 50,000 a year. So that's about 130 per day. And that is way more than we are losing to the coronavirus. Um, so it, it, it encompasses everybody. And if, if I could leave one thing behind for, for my um, you know, Space Force, I would like to say have those difficult conversations and get to know your people and be bold reach out and find out where their challenges are and how we can help them to overcome those challenges so that we don't continue on this trajectory of losing about 50,000 of our citizens every single year. Um, it's just something that is close to my heart um, based on the experience that I've had in the military. Um, and I hope that we can get a handle on it, but it isn't. Uh, we need to start in kindergarten and start to build resilience because it is not obviously just a problem here in the DOD, but we do focus a lot of efforts on trying to curb the problem, but we need to make sure that it's in all walks of life um, that we focus on this. That's, that's a great message, Chief. I really do appreciate it. And I know our audience does as well. What is the culture that you're trying to create in the, in the Army, it's Battle Buddy, in the Air Force, it's Wingman, is there, are you talking about that mentor mentoree type relationship as the new Space Force stands up? And is there a, a, a name that you're assigning to that responsibility? I'm just curious. Wow. Um, <laughs> you know, um, I, I'd love to come up with something clever right now, right off the cuff. Um, you know, we're, like we said, we're still working on rank structure and trying to figure out what we're going to call our space professionals. Um, I don't think, you know, I'll tell you what, um, partners. I mean, we are yeah. all brothers and sisters in this together. Um, and, and I have partners that work with me across the force. Um, and I, I bet in the future, somebody will come up with a clever term for that person. Um, I'll tell you what, let me, let me um, just quote 
General, um, Major General Stephen Whiting, soon to be promoted, promoted to Lieutenant General. Um, and you know, the Air Force always tells you to watch your six. Um, he'd like us to watch our nader. Um, so, <laughs> um, if that helps out at all, um, I've got your nader, Colonel Wolf. And uh, you know, if you ever need anything, you reach out to me personally. Uh, and that goes for everybody, honestly. Um, you know, we are a small and connected force, and we're all available on the global. And don't hesitate to reach out uh, if there's something you need to discuss or if there's a challenge that you need to work through. Um, I welcome that kind of communication. Absolutely, no. I think that's spot on. Um, in this, in these times where we are all working, te we're teleworking. We're not engaged in that social aspect that we normally engage in at the at the workplace. It's imperative to to reach out to folks. So thanks for that message, and, and definitely let's let's keep our our, our space partners in mind. I appreciate that. And what what can the Space Force Association? How can we continue to help, Chief? Well, you know, I know, I know your focus is to become the premier organization that supports us um, in the United States Space Force, and, and we certainly appreciate that. Um, you know, we welcome any advocacy. You know, there's no such thing as bad press. Um, but, you know, we want to be focused and make sure that we're getting our message out and speaking with one voice. Um, so, I, I, you know, I appreciate the opportunity you've given me here today um, to talk to the members of our force. And I know you're going to enshrine this forever digitally and, and my friends and family and coworkers will see it on YouTube and be able to poke fun at me and um, see if there's any uh, tells or ticks that I have. Um, but, uh, but honestly, you know, what you can do for us is continue to be an advocate for the space force. Um, you know, and I know, you know, I'd love to look back when I'm, uh, you know, a little bit older and, and see where we've both developed, um, you know, the Space Force and the Space Force Association and see what kind of partnerships we can build in the future. Great. Thank you so much, Chief. I, I really appreciate your, your time today. I know how busy you are. And, and so thanks for taking time out of your day to discuss what's happening in the enlisted ranks as, a, as we stand up the, the new service. I'd like to especially thank our corporate members, Braxton Technology, Boresight, AGI, and Numerica. So thanks again for your time today, and we look forward to future discussions. Have a great Space Force Day, Semper Supra. Thank you, Colonel Wolf. <laughs>